Open our eyes that we might see the wonder, see the miracles before us of each other and Christ in us. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And may all of God's children say, Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, praise team. Today, God has set a table for us. And we thank you, band, for setting the table for us with that beautiful song reminding us of God's wonder. The table is set, and God's people are here to be fed. The good news of God comes to us. Yes, it is warm. Thank you, Jesus. It's, it's air-conditioned down. Oh, it's tears. Well, that's beautiful, too, isn't it? I'm burning up, but this is fun. Uh, <laughs> getting to wear something a little different this morning. Um, God's in all of it. And today, our, uh, our good news from God comes to us from the old, old words of Matthew chapter 14. So, I didn't ask for the words to be on the screen, um, but Ryan is capable of miracles, so we, we'll see what happens. Um, but it's fine for you just to listen, even if it's helpful for you to close your eyes and to imagine what it might have been like for Jesus to be with this crowd of people that we're about to hear about. The feeding of the 5,000. From Matthew chapter 14, we're going to begin in verse 13. And just a little bit of context here. Jesus has just learned that his friend, John the Baptist, the wild man dressed in camel's fur and eating locusts out in the wilderness, that was preaching a prophetic word about the coming kingdom of God, that it was time for people to change their hearts and lives. That man has just been executed by the government. Jesus has just learned of this. His friend, his mentor, his predecessor, and maybe even his cousin has just been beheaded. And so Jesus is going to practice some self-care. He's going to go away to grieve, to be alone, to weep for his friend. But unfortunately for Jesus, his plans are interrupted. Or maybe fortunately for God's intentions. So hear the story of God this morning. When Jesus heard about John, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. When the crowds learned this, they followed him on foot from the cities. Then Jesus arrived and saw a large crowd. Or when he arrived and saw a large crowd, he had compassion for them and healed those who were sick. That evening his disciples came and said to him, this is an isolated place, and it's getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go into the villages and buy some food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, There's no need to send them away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves of bread and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. He ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves of bread and the two fish. He looked up to heaven. He blessed them and broke the bread and gave it to his disciples. Then the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate until they were full. And they filled 12 baskets with the leftovers. About 5,000 men, 
plus women and children had eaten. This is the story of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. God sets a table before us. I'm going to set this stuff up here so I don't forget it. God prepares a table for us in the face of opposition. What a memorable event. What a memorable meal that must have been for this crowd to show up, not expecting to get a free dinner. I love one of my pastor friends likes to say, this is the story where Jesus steals some kid's lunch. Because you may remember in the other gospel stories, there's a kid that brings the fish and loaves. Jesus steals the kid's lunch and feeds 5,000 people. What an, what an amazing story. Regardless of how the bread showed up and the fish showed up, what an amazing story. My daughter pointed out 5,000 plus women and children. 15,000 maybe? 10,000? Who knows? How on earth did this happen? In this deserted place where there's no McDonald's or Arby's, there's no interstate bypass to get to the Panera down the road, there's just wilderness. Jesus went to be alone. That was his intention where there was no one else around, so there's no resources for these folks. What a memorable event that must have been. It reminds me of a memorable meal that I shared with my church family, probably about 2018. The church had built, around Christmas Eve of 2017, a food pantry at Weaver First United Methodist Church, just about five miles up the road. They built a food pantry out on the corner lot of the property, right on Anniston Street and Weaver Lane. The busiest intersection in Weaver, which doesn't say a whole lot, but for Weaver it was busy. And that pantry was filled that first time by church members' food. But from there on out and to this day, now probably seven years later, that pantry continues to be filled by members of the community and some members of the church. It's emptied each day, and it's filled each day. Feeding of the 5,000, a miracle every single day at that food pantry. We've got one right across the street from our sanctuary at Family Services. A food pantry that's filled and emptied on a regular basis. But after that experience of having taken that step out, because, friends, you know, in the church there were some folks that were like, well, what if people steal from it? Well, you can't really steal free, can you? You can't steal God's grace. And so we did it. We took that risk, and God blessed it. So we felt like God's calling us to feed the hungry. And so we began to have community meals where we would invite members of the community, whoever would come to a free meal in in our basketball gym. And folks from all walks of life, folks from the nicer neighborhood and folks from the trailer park would come and have a free meal. Sometimes it was hot dogs or pizza. Sometimes it was barbecue. But one year on Thanksgiving, we decided we wanted to have a Thanksgiving dinner, complete with all the fixings, green beans, casserole, Boiled eggs, I think there were some deviled eggs there, there might have been. Heather was the coordinator, she remembers it much more vividly than I do. <laughs> there was some ham, and of course, our church folks, we freaked out a little bit. We're like, well, how do we know how many people are going to show up? How do we know how many meals we need to prepare? How do you know, what are we going to do when food runs out? Well, the food runs out, I guess. So it's the night of the meal, it's I think a Saturday night, and the kitchen ladies are running frantically, ladies, excuse me, are running frantically in the kitchen trying to get the ham ready. It's taking longer than they thought. And so all the other food is there, it's waiting at the Senior Citizen Center. We decided to do it off campus for this meal, just a half a block from the church. All the food's there, it's waiting, people are anxious, where's the ham, where's the ham, where's the ham? 
we get the ham, it's finally done, get it out of the oven, sling it into the back of my minivan, and I fly out of the parking lot of the church, turn the van up on two wheels, ham juice dumps all over the back seat of my van. It smelled like that for like five years, friends. <laughs> Heather, to this day, will not drive that van. She has her van and then the ham juice van. Okay. Eventually, now it smells like hay, but we're in a different season of life. But it was a beautiful thing. We had folks from all walks of life come into that space. Families bringing their kids in their pajamas to have a Thanksgiving meal as church members and strangers sat together and became new friends. It was a beautiful meal. What meals stand out in your memory? Maybe you had an experience growing up of going to your grandma's house and having a dinner after church where everybody brought something. Anybody have that experience? I've been to a couple of those. Not my own family, but some other families I'd visit. There's always food being shoved in your hands. Take this home, please. We don't have any room in our refrigerator, please. Maybe a, a, a 4th of July cookout. We have these moments around the table that change us, don't we? Surely this had to be one of the best in Jesus' in the, in the disciples' memory. Had to be one of the best. But it didn't start out that way, did it? Here's this unexpected crowd, and the disciples are noticing. The, the sun is beginning to burn orange on the horizon. It's getting late, and their blood pressure starting to rise. There's 5,000 people here, guys, plus women and children. And they're starting to look hungry. They're start, starting to get a little hangry. Anybody get hangry? I get hangry. These folks have been healed. They're needy people. They didn't come with a plan. And it doesn't appear that Jesus did either. So Jesus, what are you thinking? Look, you need to send this crowd away so they can go into the villages and buy some food for themselves where there's resources. Get them out of this deserted place so they can feed themselves. It's getting late. Jesus looks at him and says, there's no need to send them away. You give them something to eat. Excuse me? Jesus, what reality are you living in? I imagine the veins just popping on their head right now, like, Jesus, what are you thinking? How are we supposed to feed these people? There's only a couple of fish and five loaves of bread. What are we supposed to do with that? And so Jesus takes the bread, and he blesses it. He gives thanks, and he breaks it. He gives it to his disciples, and they begin to pass it out. There's another story that we may be, be reminded of from the book of Exodus, a long, long time before Jesus, when Moses and the Israelites were wandering around in the desert, in a deserted place where there was no resources. They had come from a place of resources, Pharaoh's Egypt, where Pharaoh had provided all their needs. They were slaves, yes, but at least they had their meat and their bread. They had themselves provided for. They could count on this system of reality that Pharaoh and his elite had created for them, hadn't he? This is a story that we've been studying and remi reminding one another of on Wednesday nights as we've had um, this Bible study. I keep calling it a Bible study. It's really more of a graphic novel study um, called Manna and Mercy. Mostly young adults, um, but we've had visitors from all stripes come and be with us to study this uh, book. It's a graphic novel that has pictures, and we've started at the beginning from Genesis, and now we've just recently gone through Exodus. And the story of the manna 
in the wilderness. You may be familiar with this story. These people had been liberated from freedom, or liberated, from, excuse me, from slavery to freedom. However, the freedom was freedom to the desert wilderness, where there was no resources. And so now this people that were used to counting on Pharaoh had to learn how to count on God. The Lord was now their shepherd in this wilderness barren place. And so what did God do? God provided this stuff called manna, which literally means, what is it? It's where we get the title of this book, Manna and Mercy. God provided this manna. It was like bread. They would gather it, and it would be enough for just one day. And then the next day, they would wake up in the morning, and there'd be more manna on the ground. And they'd pick it up and gather it just enough for that day, and they'd consume it. They found that if they tried to gather more than they needed and make a pile for themselves, that it would rot. They would get maggots in it. It would get nasty. And so they learned that they had to count on God for their daily bread. Just as we pray in the Lord's Prayer every Sunday in this worship congregation, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us. Manna, our daily bread, and mercy. Forgive us. We have a manna and mercy event happening at this feeding of the 5,000. The disciples are saying, look, Jesus, we know you're great and all, but you're not going to be able to feed all the 5,000 people. They're not trusting. They're not trusting Jesus' provision. They're not trusting the miracles that they've seen. They're not trusting Jesus healing the sick that they've just seen before their eyes. And so they need mercy. They need forgiveness. They need recalibration. I've been reading a book well, actually, a couple of years ago, I read a book by one of my favorite um, spiritual authors, Henry Nouwen. He was a Catholic priest, um, written for a wide audience, but he wrote a book about following Jesus. And he says, essentially, following Jesus is about loving, loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves. That's the greatest commandment, right? He says, love essentially is about trusting, trusting that in the letting go of our control, letting go of that manna of hoarding, letting go of that desire to have a plan and have it figured out, trusting that in the letting go, life will multiply. Forgive us as we fail to trust you, O God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. You prepare a table before me in a desolated place, in the face of opposition. In my cup, what does it do? Is it filled just a little bit? What happens to my cup? It runneth over, if you're familiar with the King James Version of the Psalm 23. The Lord is our shepherd. He is a trustworthy God. And I'm here to tell you, friends, there's a Manna and Mercy event happening every single Sunday at Anniston First United Methodist Church. I want to share just a brief clip that Cheyenne Maddox, one of our members, prepared with Emma about Shepherd's Table, another table where a miracle happens every single Sunday. Good morning, I'm Cheyenne Maddox, and I've been able to serve as the volunteer coordinator for Shepherd's Table for the last few years. Each and every Sunday morning, several volunteers and church staff gather to share their gifts with those in need. We have been blessed with volunteer groups that meet at 7 a.m. to prepare a meal that is served to our unhoused and other members of our community. 
We provide a hot meal, fruit, cereal, juice, and coffee to those who participate. Others come to share a devotion and time of worship through music. We use our resources in a way that we can multiply the amount of people we are able to serve each week by purchasing in bulk, organizing donations, and volunteers donating their time to prepare this meal to serve to others. Thank you, Cheyenne, and thank you, Emma. Shepherd's Table is a, a beautiful ministry, as she said, that we feed the hungry every single Sunday, and there's always enough. Even on the Sundays, we're afraid that now 60 people are here this morning. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Somehow, everyone gets fed. This morning, we have a Manna and Mercy event that we get to experience as a congregation as we come to Christ's table to receive the bread 